The following podcast is a next level production. After our train separated, I followed your trail, trying to guess intentions, uh, near-term destination versus long-term trajectory. I couldn't catch you. I had to intercept. Oh, okay. So, about three months in, I, I thought I caught a break, a track switch signal near Marseille. We followed it there, but found no sign of you. Well, yeah, because that was the wrong continent. We were nowhere near France. So the question is, if it wasn't you, who was it? Hey, panelers, welcome to the show. I'm Steve. And I'm Daphne. And this is going to be a spoilerful podcast for season three of Snowpiercer, episode seven, Ouroboros. Daphne, why don't you read us this confusing synopsis we have? Yes. Leighton realizes some dreams are out of reach as the rest of the train deals with Leighton's status change. Wilford makes a staggering discovery. Grammatically, that was worded strangely to in my brain to me. To me, I just yes, it just it just felt clunky for some reason. I don't know why, but yeah, not sure about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's let's start off with what what are your initial thoughts? Do you have anything that doesn't just your general feeling of the episode? It wasn't my favorite episode. Oh. I feel like we were taking on this fever dream with Leighton. At one point, I thought for sure at the end, he was going to wake up and say, I was in this magical place and you and you and you were there. (laughs) Do the Wizard of Oz thing, the Dorothy waking up. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And then I thought maybe this is not that. Maybe it's Murder on the Orient Express. And then, yeah. I didn't love it. Okay. But I'm excited to talk about it, Steve, because what happens when you and I talk about this show is sometimes you'll remind me of something or you'll bring something up and I'll be like, oh, yeah. And it will give me a reason to like the episode. Well, I hope so, because I, I liked it. I, I'm Again, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm not going to say it's my favorite, but I definitely, on the second viewing, there were a lot of things that I really liked more, and I, I wanted to watch it for a third time, but I just didn't, didn't have the chance. But I, I will say this. The one thing that, after the first watch, I initially was, this, is, this episode is now going to take us on an extreme left turn from mm-hmm. everything we've been building up to so far this season. So I, I can understand maybe that's why, because we're, we basically are changing the direction of the show, but I, I did love the way it was shot between late. Oh, dream fantastic. Yes. And, and the outside world. And, and I'll get into some of that in my, in my points, but uh, I, I, I just thought, I thought it was lovely the way it was shot. And uh, I, I actually liked the story as convoluted as it was, because it was <laughs> very much a fever dream. Uh, oh man! Uh, and you know, it maybe, was. maybe they ran out of time. Maybe this would be one that, if they could have spread it out more, might have been even—I don't know—might have been more fun to watch if we got. I don't know, or maybe no. it was, maybe it would have been worse. For no, Steve, I don't think I wanted two episodes of this one. Okay, you know when when I was a kid, my mom used to tell us about the Dreamland train. Mm-hmm. This is not what I pictured was a dreamland train, but yet that's kind of what it was. Okay. And I'm okay with it because I, I think there were some things I liked and we will talk about those things. Okay. Well, that sounds uh, like a great chance to get into our top five. <laughs> uh, Till. Wow. Okay. Hey, you got to help me. Shh. I need Inside voices. Yeah, that's about enough of this nightmare. I have to wake up. Hey, buddy. You gotta get your shit together, okay? You're not dreaming. You're dying. Why don't you kick us off? All right. Well, I don't 
my number five, I, I debated about this because it doesn't start at the beginning. It's kind of in the middle, but I wanted to bring it up because I feel like I have dogged Audrey for so long and I feel like I, I want to bring this up now just because I've given her a hard time and I think I need to show her a little bit of love because she, you know, she's on Wilford's side and she, I've been against her and I was disappointed in her character. What I did love about this is her conversation with Till who, and her telling Till, if he's still in there, he'll hear you, remind him what he's fighting for. And in the same respect, Till, it clicks in her head. Can you go inside his head like you did in the night car? Can you, can you make this happen? And while Audrey is at first reluctant, I feel like she does give in. And I liked the way that they shot that as well. The way that they shot her communicating with Leighton through the dream where she opens the door, but she's not really there. Mm -hmm. And she's talking to him. And I appreciated that. And I feel like we got a little bit of the old Audrey again. And I am always down for that. And I can get a complicated character. And she's going to have a lot to reconcile with herself. But I like that we got to see a piece of her, the old Audrey, the one that we all had respected as the night car queen and leader of the resistance, or at least involved in the resistance. So I'm glad we got a little bit back to that. Yeah, this was one of mine as well. So I'm just going to kind of jump to it because it, it was it was the, the interaction between Till and, and Audrey and, and some other things as well. But that that beginning part where where Till comes into that room and just breaks down and Mickey Summer plays that like I totally believed every moment of that of her just losing her crap, like just just she's like she's overwhelmed with the emotion of what has happened to Leighton. And she's suddenly invaded by Audrey. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, like you said, Audrey tells her that you should be the one to go, but I love how Till turns it around and says, no, no, you need to go. You need to. And I think what we're seeing, at least this was my opinion, was the further Audrey gets away from Wilford and his influence the more we get her back to the the Audrey that we loved. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that Josie and Zara were so quick to leave her and Till alone with Leighton. But I, I guess it just shows that the trust that they have in Till that she would be able to keep Audrey in check and Audrey wouldn't, and, and that Audrey would keep Leighton, excuse me, Till would keep, Late and safe, you know, um, but I, I love how she shows up in, in his dream and she's wearing the same clothes that she's got on in the real world, because whether that's a power of hers or just just the choice of the show, it, it just shows that it, it, anyway, I, I just liked that thought of it, that she's dressed the same way um, and, you know, that she's the one that leads Leighton through able to to face the the fact of what he's buried, that he's buried this, the, what the big reveal, which I guess we can get to it now, the, the big reveal that he sees at the end that he realizes he did see that tree on a calendar page, not in a vision. You know, we, we talked about that in the episode when they got back to the train after he picks up Asha, that he goes, he goes through all those books trying to find that tree saying that he's never seen it before in real life. He never saw it in high school. No, no, I never, I never seen this tree before. It's brand new to me. It's, it's gotta be a vision. And he's, he buries that. And we'll talk some more about it because there's a part that I, I picked. I didn't, I don't know why I didn't pick up on it the first time I picked up on it the second time that we have talked about over the course of these seven episodes. And you've mentioned it a few times that we get a reveal of what hap what more happened during Asha and Leighton's uh, time 
down there in the cold together. And uh, but that, like I said, that big reveal where he opens that door and he sees that calendar page and he suddenly realizes that it's not a vision that he had. And I, I, I had to, I, I really struggled with this on the second watch of it to, to because he says something about at the end of the the episode, you know, he says something about or in I think it's in the it might have been in the preview. I can't leave this train on a lie. Was that in the preview or was that at the end of the episode? That was at the end of the episode. That was at the end of the episode. Okay, where he says I can't yeah. leave this I can't leave this this train on a lie. And it, it occurred like I struggled with it's always been a lie though. Like yeah. You know, and maybe he's just now coming to the realization that it's a lie or maybe he really had convinced himself, you know, kind of like at the beginning of the episode when they talk about cover stories. And if you get deep enough into a cover story, you actually start to believe it. And mm-hmm. whoa, I just blew my mind. <laughs> that was foreshadowing for what we find out that he had. That's exactly what happened to Layton was he had bought so much into the lie that he thought it was the truth. And we got that. at the Oh, I can't believe I just, my mind just exploded <laughs> over. Those things happen though. They yeah. really do. You, you just never know. And so now, now I want to watch the episode again to, to see if there's any other clues of, of this big reveal of late that, mm-hmm. he's, that he's buried this throughout the episode. But yeah, that's, I kind of had the same thing. It, it's Audrey, basically leading Leighton to face his truth, which now, like I said at the beginning, is going to take us in a whole different direction for these last three episodes that I can't wait to watch. I mean, we've been building towards going to New Eden, which, if you think about it, though, and this is my next point. Yes. The fact that we're also... It's not just about that picture. It's about the data that Melanie had gathered. Mm-hmm. Pointing to things things warming up down in that area. At least that was my understanding. But Leighton kind of bought into having these visions. And that's what he learned was the lie. It really wasn't, you know, I feel like there definitely still a possibility that that area is going to warm up. However, I remember them saying at one point, but it's going to take a lot longer than, you know, just one trip around to get there. So I wasn't sure how they were going to keep what they were going to do with this story. But now, based on things that happened in this episode, I feel like we have a couple of different things to do, um, arrows to follow, because... My next point is Wilford, Wilford having this epiphany, which I loved his scenes with Alex. You know, she starts talk, she, she talks to him and he's like looking for different things and he calls her and asks her to come over and, and help him. And She's like, oh, yeah, I, I remember this. This is step one, research frenzy. Yeah, I've got this quote. I've got this quote. Hold on, I'll, I'll, I'll read the whole thing because I loved it. I really loved it. I had to actually stop and back up. And, and uh, she comes into the room. She says, I recognize this. You've glommed on to some theory. This is step one, research frenzy. Step two would be soak in the bathtub if you had one. Yep. <laughs> Which I thought was just perfect. <laughs> yeah, he really believes that... There is potential, I believe it's in Marseille, Marseille, and they go back over because he's put together this map on the table of the train route. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about, well, if this wasn't you, who was it? And he's thinking it could be your mother. I'm still personally getting used to this Wilford. Because this is a warmer, kinder, sweeter Wilford than we've ever seen. It's like a switch got flipped when he was injected with that suspension liquid. And the person that we knew is gone. And now we have this different person Mm -hmm. with us. And I liken some of this this switch from the wicked man to this sweet man 
to kind of what Willy Wonka presented to us in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, where the factory owner, Willy Wonka, was this very stern but fun, which Wilford kind of was fun at times. But then this version is the version at the end when Charlie gets the Chocolate Factory. Wilford is so playful with Alex and he's talking about, oh, your mom, it could be your mom. And not in in this menacing way at all. It's just this friendly, sweet, encouraging way. And I'm still thrown for a loop because I can't believe that this is the Wilford that's been terrorizing us for almost two seasons. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm with you on that. I don't know if this is some deeper con that he's trying to pull or or what's what's exactly going on. Does he really believe this? And yeah, so I, I'm with you. Like I said last week, I was torn between whether I want the, a new Wilford or I want us to go back to the old Wilford. And, and the now, devil we know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So my next one, I, I want to kind of talk about the different the different ways these actors got to portray different characters like i i thought yeah. it was it was so cool to see them in different environments and different man even like with with ben different almost speech patterns ways of speaking mm-hmm. you know um but you know till being the librarian and i love how she like understood that layton was was in a different world she's like no no you you don't understand i think i've got the quote down there about you're not dreaming you're dying till being kind of the one who's like i know this isn't real this world that you're in isn't real, but you need to understand to get to the real world, you're going to have to jump through some hoops that are in this world, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And she, but she kind of knew what was going on. I I love that. She, she wants to get him to the other side. You know, Ben is the forger. um, And uh, (laughs) that scene, it really faked me out for a couple of minutes when Ben was like asking him, trying to get him to snitch and stuff. And you see kind of Ruth looking, peering through the door and I was like, "Ooh, what is what's going on here?" And then he figures out, "Oh, it was just a test, you know." And and so they are going to help him. Um, but then LJ, being the leader of the secret police, was just was the jackboots, basically. Yeah, because yeah. this train. Did you notice that it had this different crest? It wasn't the W mm-hmm. for Wilfred. It was like a skull. Mm-hmm. She was like the lead of whatever the yeah. police. She. Yeah, yeah, she was really into it. And was it just me, or did they have the hair straighteners working overtime for these actors? They actors? were working overtime <laughs> in this episode. They were at 110%. It seemed like every actress that had curly hair in the other episodes has got straight hair <laughs> in, mm-hmm. this, in this one. And I thought, wow. Uh, I love that Zara is is the cartographer, that she gives him, you know, this riddle that he's he's got to figure out. And uh, I didn't I didn't write down... I do. You do. Yeah. Most will run. Some will seek. Hide or cheat. We always meet. In present, past and future keep. We learned that Leighton hates riddles. Mm-hmm. But I love that he figures it out at the end that the answer is death. And Yes. So I thought the answer was the, the snake eating its tail, but that's just me. So... Well, it was weird because Snowpiercer was not running like the Snowpiercer that we're used to. It was basically, and Leighton even has a quote about this, the power's in the tail, it's upside down. Mm -hmm. And the tail boss says, there's no up, no down, the train is cyclical, it's a cruel loop. Right. So it's almost like the train's just going in Mm -hmm. a circle, not anywhere. Right. And I, I love, uh, so just to wrap up my point of the, the characters acting acting differently, uh, I love that, that we have Alex being kind of the door guard for Roche yeah. and his, his little band of whatever they were supposed to be. Um, so, so, yeah, I just love that these actors got to take a little bit of a turn of a, of a different, kind of different look on their characters or, or play different characters. I thought it was fun. You know, Javi being the kind of right-hand man to Wilford. Was was so strange. <laughs> I loved that we got to see Javi trauma free. Yes, yes. But how strange was it mm-hmm. when they go in to rescue Leighton at the beginning that he's looking on Leighton for his 
hula doll. Yeah. That is usually sitting at the front with him when he drives. I thought that was just strange. Yeah. Well, I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit more about that in one of my points as well. So. Okay. <laughs> what did you think, though? Because I feel like we have to continue this. Okay. What did you think of Dr. Headwood as the queen of the night car? Thank you. I could, I was, I don't know why I didn't recognize who she was. And I was, I was just like, which, which person is this? And I don't know why it, I didn't put it together that it was the female Headwood. So it was Dr. Headwood okay. in a way that we have never seen her before. Yeah. I, I totally, I was totally blown away because it's a completely different character. Completely. Like I talked about speech patterns and all those things, she was so different that I didn't even recognize who she was. I think also because I've never seen her without that, that what are the doctor's cap on? Yeah, she's always all business, and this was different. And I and I have to agree with you. Getting to see the actors play different roles that still resemble a little bit of themselves, but it honestly makes you think about, in some cases, in her case, Dr. Hedwood, if she were allowed to let her hair down and go out and have fun, maybe this is the person she would be. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's, so yeah, no, I agree with you. It was a strange choice uh, for her to be the one there in the night car. And like I said, it, she was so different from who she was. That was the one person, the one character that I couldn't figure out. <laughs> Sykes being the, <laughs> being the bartender was great because we've only seen her, you know, in her uniform and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So, so it was, it was great to see her in a kind of a different role as well and, and having some fun with it. So it made me think again, I feel like this whole episode was like some sort of dreamland fairy tale because I started thinking like it was Alice in Wonderland and, you just didn't know who was going to pop up next in what role. Mm-hmm. So you just kept waiting to see what was going to happen. Yeah. Yep. Um, I have no idea where we're at. Maybe to your three? I, um, I think <laughs> I just did my three, so I think okay. it's you. Okay. Then uh, we'll talk a little bit. You were talking about the, the hula doll and the the stuffed animal, the kind of MacGuffins, the, the kind of Maltese falcons of this of this yeah. uh, show, which made me, I just, I love the noir aspect that we have with, you know, we got the hula doll, we got the stuffed animal, we have this kind of, uh, and like I said earlier, it was shot in this kind of ethereal way and Leighton has to take this journey, this, this hero's journey through the train and through these different... Um, almost like the, the the levels of hell going through the di- different stages of of places, and I just I just loved that whole thing, and, and that that uh, you know trying to get from the engine to the tail, that the journey, you know, the the apocalypse mm-hmm. now of it, the heart of darkness. That I always love those stories that are that the journey, the hero's journey of he has to go through different trials to get to different places. And sometimes he makes a mistake. Like he made a mistake about the whole dance troupe thing. He saw the paper Mm -hmm. that said modern dance. And so he thought he was a modern dancer and he finds out that, nope, that's wrong. LJ picks up on it. That was the kids. Yep. Yeah. And so she comes into that, that train car and just kills everybody. And that scene just had me, I I hate to say it had me laughing because the song is, you know, the, 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 what's it? Things are looking up is playing where you're seeing life is getting better every day and it's from up with people. Okay. And, and, and so it was, yeah, it's and, all this happiness and joy. And then all these, all these people are getting shot dead. You know, all, all these people that we love and these, these characters that we know, and we we're just suddenly are completely wiped out and we're left with yeah Leighton and LJ. So you knew LJ was going to survive that. I mean, come on. She is like a Phoenix. She finds a way to reinvent herself every time. I also thought of it, though, Steve, like it was the reverse of Leighton going. I mean, we've seen his journey from the tale to, to the be engine. where he is oh, now. Yeah, that's interesting. And this was kind of a reverse, like getting out of the front of the train to get to the tail. It was almost as difficult. Yeah, like it was. Oh, well, you can't go to the tail. You have to have the password. You have to do this. It's very similar if you think about it. Yeah, so that's it's kind really of good. like it was upside down. 
And I love the curveball of being thrown uh, thrown to us of Pike showing up in this this oh. priest outfit and telling Leighton, I'm going to take your confession. You know, uh, it just was such a strange way to see uh, Stephen Ogg play the, the Pike character. But uh, so, yeah, the, just the noir aspect and, and that ethereal way that that whole sequence was shot was uh, I just loved it. I feel like that. I mean, that may be the last we ever see of Pike. And it was just kind of twisted that, you know, he's in that he's in that jail cell and Pike comes to him and says, how can you get back home if you don't even know what you're looking for? And that is a reminder to Leighton. I think, you know, we're they were trying to get he was trying to get or realize that, like you said, this is a picture he saw. It isn't real. Like, this is not a vision. It's a picture. If you don't even know what you're looking for, you don't. And I I do think some of Leighton... I mean, we know he had a concussion, a very serious concussion, multiple blows to the head. This was bound to happen. He was left on the floor for 12 hours, basically. And I still also feel like he's suffering from guilt because his conversations with Pike, and this actually is my next point, um, Layton's conversations with Pike put him in an, in an awkward position because he knew he had to kill Pike. Pike knew his secrets. He got to keep his secrets by killing Pike, and that was a really difficult thing for him to do. I think Leighton has a lot of guilt. Listening to him talk last week about what happened at the end of season one when he had to cut the train and he lost some of his friends, then, you know, other things that have happened along the way, people that they've lost, strong boy, and how difficult it's been for him. I think he really does take responsibility for that. And so while he was concussed in dealing with trying with all of these things going on in dreamland in this weird place he was at, I think he also has a lot of guilt. And that's one of the reasons why when he woke up, he, he realized, you know, if, if everything is built on that, on a lie, it's got to be built on more than that. It can't just be built on a lie. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that Leighton is going to listen to what Wilford says and they're going to go in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the fact that the, the death skull was the emblem for the train. And when he's, it, when he mm -hmm. does get to the tail and he finally meets the tail boss and we'll get to that in my number one. Oh um, my goodness. Uh, there's <laughs> just piles and piles of bones. I think you're right. He's, he has yeah. guilt over all the deaths that have been mm -hmm. basically caused by him. So yeah. Um my yeah. next one is is kind of short and we've really already talked about it a lot I think was just the story outside of the dream and the, I think I mentioned like the side by side uh, storytelling that we got. I I loved at the very beginning when we have Josie trying to wake him up and she's like slapping him going late wake up wake up and, and then and it edits to the dream and Leighton's snapping, snapping himself, trying mm -hmm. to wake himself. I just, I just love it. It's, 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 it was a little thing, but it was one of those, I just really loved that. And when they finally get him into, you know, the hospital bed and, and all the things that are going on around him. And then you've already talked about, about Wilford and, but it's another one of those things where she's tells them to talk to him. Even Pel uh, Dr. Pelton says, you know, talk to him. He can hear you. He's still in there. And, but then like till leaves and I guess Josie and Zara and the baby stay. So there's people that stay yeah. with him, but, uh, but yeah, just a short one, just the, 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 the way the parallel stories, the way they edited it to, to make some of them match up. And then when we get to the, when we get to the end and he wakes up, in North Korea, we don't know if that's a dream or a memory because we lose the ethereal quality of it. And, but we'll talk about that more when we get to my number one. So. Yeah, it was really weird. Like, I don't believe he's in a bunker. I believe he's woken up on Snowpiercer. 
Is that where you? Do you yeah, think that? You, yeah. No, I, it was really hard. It was. Yeah. Well, we can we can kind of get into it now because it's it's part of my first point. So, um, mm-hmm. is is that him waking up and he's he he wakes up and Asha is there and she's serving him you know the the tomato soup and the grilled cheese and I'm trying to figure out I'm like okay wait a minute we don't have this uh, you know Vaseline uh, camera work going on to where it's a clear it's a it's a clearer picture maybe it's not mm-hmm. to- like I was trying to figure out it's not totally clear what's happening so I'm like is this a memory or is this like is this part of the story from episode uh whatever it was two or three I think it was one, one I episode, think episode one episode one yeah is this part of that episode that we didn't that we didn't see because mm-hmm. of course we we see him you know he's eating the soup and he's kind of talking but at the same time he's also still talking about what's happened in the dream and in the after this scene in Osha's yeah, bunker so I feel like that could have been a consistency error yeah on the part of the storytellers and I could be wrong and I'm happy if anyone wants to write in and correct well, me. Well, because here's the thing, and we've been talking about that blood on the wall that we mm-hmm. that we saw there in her bunker, and we finally see that if this if this part of the dream has has moved him into memory, because I think mm-hmm. that's what it is. I think he moved from his coma from his coma dream. Part of it moves into a memory of what happened in that bunker with Asha, where Marauders did attack while they were there and he kills one of them with that shotgun. And that's where the fresh blood came on the wall that we've been talking about through the whole season. You kept mentioning that blood looked way too fresh to be from. It did. And so, and so I think this is a memory that he's, that he blocked out due to the hypothermia that he experienced, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and like I said, then, because that leads us right to where he discovers that he saw the tree, you know, he's because he then mm-hmm. is gets into another fight and Asha comes in and saves him from that marauder. So one of the things that this gave gives us evidence of is there's more people out there. Potentially, yeah, there are more there could be more people. Because where did these yeah. where did these two guys come from? They had to come from somewhere. They didn't come from Snowpiercer. So I still have to think that in general, there are more people out there living in these created habitats. That people you know, found a people, way. Yeah. People found a way. You know, Dr. Malcolm's always says in Jurassic Jurassic Park, life finds a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like people would... There had to have been other people planning to do something when this was going on. the The deep freeze. So I have to think that they would find a way but yeah i am not sure what i think about those scenes other than seeing the blood on the wall i do have to think maybe it is part of a memory i'm not sure that all of that is a memory i'm thinking maybe some of it is i think Leighton at that point was just he was trying to come back and maybe you know gripping on to something he could hold on to to segue back in would be you know would be helpful i mean i got nervous when he was sitting uh and this is um my number two i got really nervous when he was sitting with basically his daughter in the tail of the train he realized that's who it was and there's a doll and he opens it up and the and and it's gonna go off like bomb, it's a bomb. Right. I, I just, it made me nervous thinking, oh my gosh, is there a bomb in the doll? I don't know. I just, this, for me, this episode was disjointed. And, you know, I think you're right when you said earlier that maybe I wanted to just continue down the story and I didn't like the interruption and that this was an interruption. I think you're absolutely right. I feel like, I didn't get enough out of this episode for me to feel like the interruption was necessary. I think maybe the showrunners were trying to create something so they could tell and switch the story the way they wanted it to go. 
And maybe I wish that they had chosen a different way to steer us in this new Marseille direction. Yeah, I, I will. I'll agree with you. There, there was a it was a strange segue from the doll with the bomb in it because and this was I've kind of used up my points, but the uh, the older Liana is kind of being the tail boss. This is one of my probably my last point, I think, that I have here is they kind of jumped from that doll with the bomb in it because she says she says this isn't about you dealing with your death. This is about you dealing with my death. Mm-hmm. And so now, and then that's when he says, no, I'm taking you to new Eden. I'm going to get you off this train. And then we, and then we see the bomb and then it switches to him waking up in the bunker with Asha mm-hmm. to where we're not sure now if this is a memory or still part of the dream. So yeah, I don't know. Is, is it, is he worried yeah, it's you're right. Now, the, the more you say that, the more the disjointedness of the end of the episode really does leave us kind of hanging to where I think I think you're right. I think really what the writers wanted to do was they wanted to get us on this new path, get us on the path away from New Eden and get mm-hmm. us on this path to the search for Melanie instead. And because I think Leighton will get behind a search for Melanie. Mm hmm. Like, I think he really will. Yeah, especially if he has to if he has to give up the lie. If he has to tell mm-hmm. the general public that, hey, I don't really know if there's a new Eden out here. Asha, I, I asked Asha to lie about being part of a community at New Eden. Mm-hmm. You know, and for him to do that, though, he's going to be throwing Asha under the bus then because now suddenly she's going to have to answer questions as to why she was willing. But also, again, if, if this is a memory, we can see another reason why she has to trust and put her life in Leighton's hands. Cause not only did he save her, I was just thinking that not yet. Cause not only did he, did he save her from, you know, dying alone in this bunker, but he saved her from, she, he saved her from the Marauder. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I only have one point left, Steve. Okay. And it's nothing to do with strange dreams. Okay. It has to do with, Zara and Josie's bonding moment. This was my last one as well. So I feel like we have to because I love Josie and I Zara is not my favorite, but she is the mother of Layton's child. There have been some terrible things that have gone on. And I think Zara has, I mean, she was right. She believes that she and Layton are better as co-parents than as a couple. And I think she really, in this episode, to me, gave Josie a blessing to have her relationship with Leighton because she brings up things about the tale. They talked about the things that they went through and how rough it was and how Josie and Leighton led the tale and took care of everyone and created a world for and created a world for all of them to live in. And. You know, in the end, she's like, you know, I'm really glad that Andre has you. And that, for me, um, it's going to create an interesting situation, except for the fact that I do believe they're going to find Melanie. They have to find Melanie. And if they do, then I guess this is the situation. Yeah. Who knows? I know I'm I'm with you on this because Zara, Zara revealing kind of to Josie how much she really disliked. I mean, doesn't she, when they're talking about the whole ritual, the old Ivan's way, she says, oh, I hate the tale traditions or something. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't remember if she said hate or I think she did say hate. She did not like them. Um, but she, yeah, she definitely did not like those tale traditions. And she, part of her does feel like she abandoned them going to the mm-hmm. night car, but also Josie kind of gives her a way out and goes, well, you did what you had to do to survive, mm-hmm. you, you know, to, to, because you wanted out. Like, like you said, I think she really did not like being in the tail. She wanted out. She had to get out. And so it's, and go ahead. She did apologize to Josie too. She apologized to her for, for things. And Zara had never really done that before, but I also think that in the last few episodes, Zara has had, 
an opportunity to see Leighton maybe in a way that she hadn't really looked at him before and realized that, you know, as much as I have loved him and we had the history together and this is our child, together we're not great. And take for our child, the best thing for us to do is to take care of the child together but not be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. That was the conclusion of that. That, Like I think in my notes, the way I put it was there's no longer a love triangle. She's basically saying, yeah. I'm, I'm out. You know, it's, I'm out. I know that you and Leighton are meant to be together and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll see how does Leighton, you know. Feel about that. Yeah. How does he come to realize it or can he come to realize it? But yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like he's got a few more things to deal with. Yeah. He uh, may not be ready for that. The only other thing I've got, and I've kind of already talked about it, is wondering if Leighton is going to reveal the lie in the next episode. Yeah, I don't know if he will. I mean, I feel like he's going to have to have a conversation with the rest of his little council and make that decision. Um, one, the only other note that I have is... Audrey and Till and Audrey saying to Till, you care so much for other people, but you won't let anyone care for you. And I think, you know, that's maybe a road we're going to go down. And honestly, I feel like Till has been the MVP of this season in so many ways. I mean, different episodes, we have one or two stepping up, but as a thread going through, her character has really... She's been a pulse. She's been constant and stepped up when she needed to. And I, yeah, I think at the end of the season, we'll see what happens in the next couple episodes, but I think she's definitely could be the MVP of season three. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel that way about, about Till. I've, I've said that from the beginning that really she's been, the, that's why it was so, it was so amazing to me and it was so noteworthy that scene of her breaking down that she went to somewhere where she thought she was going to be alone. Cause she, cause she's, she's been the rock. She's been the steadfast mm-hmm. one in this whole thing. And she didn't want anyone to know that she was breaking down. And so, yeah, yeah I, I can't wait to see what more she does. Um, yeah, I think, I think she pushes through as much as she can and is as strong as she can, but she doesn't want anyone to see that she, might need somebody, you know, to be the one stepping up for her. And you know what? I know people in my life that are like that too, that are the ones that always step up. And then they're also very worried that someone isn't going to step up for them or they're not sure who to trust to let in to take care of them. Um, Let's see. I think I've given all of my quotes uh, the only other one I had was uh, Dream Wilford when he says to Leighton, and I don't even remember the context because I didn't didn't put the stuff around it. He <laughs> says, "What you don't know might hurt you." So, oh. um, so just uh, and then of course the other line that I had already had from Till was that you're not dreaming, you're dying. Oh, yeah, I did. I did get uh, Till had one more line not long after that that I did have written down. The longer you're here, the harder it is to get to the other side. So I feel like she said those around the same time and I feel like she was starting them out. And part of me wants to like take the list of characters and who they were and chart them as being part of some other story because I feel like it lines up to something else. Or maybe I want to make it line up to something else. But I feel like, you know, she's the guide that started him on the journey, almost like Glinda, who points out, here's the yellow brick road. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a mishmash of I don't think I don't think they pulled from any one story. I think it's definitely there's definitely a Wizard of Oz aspect mm-hmm. to it for sure. But I, I don't yeah. think they have I don't think they pulled any direct like I like like I mentioned about the Maltese Falcon and. Uh, that kind of stuff with the cupid, with the the hula girl and the stuffed animal, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think they pulled from from multiple different sources. Yeah, to, to I think so too. Put this story together, but I I still I still love 
like I said, Apocalypse Now is one of my favorite movies of, of all time, which is based off of Heart of Darkness, which is a, a wonderful book about the, the hero journey. So, mm-hmm. and that's what this, that, the, that's what this episode was for me. It may not be my favorite, but it definitely we had a hero's journey going on here. Oh, it was a trip, Steve. We were taken <laughs> on a trip. I'm glad we made it to the other side. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, that wraps up our discussion of the episode and our quotes. We do have some feedback. Um, feedback! Yes, we have one uh, one from Christy that, uh, um, let me see, it's pretty long. Do you want to just break it up in half? No, I'm fine to read it if you want. Okay, no, go ahead. If you want to read it. So this is from Christy. Hi, Christy. It's good to hear from you. Hey, Steve and Daphne, I love this week's weird, fun, and serious episode of Snowpiercer. What an excellent way to tell the story. It was great seeing everyone playing different parts, so different from who they normally would be. I knew something was up from the beginning when it came to Leighton's vision, so I'm really glad we now know all that happened. Makes more sense than Leighton suddenly has visions. Okay, and wow, if there is... The smallest chance Wilford isn't so evil anymore and Melanie is actually alive. I will lose it. With happiness, of course. Ha ha. I have no idea how, but I love Jennifer Connelly and want her back on Snowpiercer. Thank you both as always. Look forward to hearing your thoughts. Well, thank you, Christy. Yeah. Yes. I think I think we all feel the same way. We've been... We've been uh, Definitely missing Melanie's presence through this, uh, Jennifer mm-hmm. Connelly's presence through this this season. And we were, I, I hope we get her back sooner rather than later. I hope they don't wait until episode 10 uh, to get her back to us. If you want to make us wait until episode 10, we will wait until episode 10. Don't make us wait till next season, though. Please. That, that's a little too far. And the other piece of feedback we got was audio feedback from Jeff. If we're panelers, does that make you pixelers? Hey, Steve and Daphne, it's Jeff. This is for Snowpiercer Season 3, Episode 7, Ouroboros, or Oogie Boogie, if you pronounce it wrong. For legal reasons, I would like to state that this is not a live Steve. I am neither Steve nor live. Overall, I liked the episode. It was a little heavy on shtick. Um, it was fun to see our characters in a, in a different way, and um, getting to see them not just in winter clothes, and it kind of reminded me in some ways of, like, Jungle Cruise. At the same time, for a a large portion of it, I felt like we weren't really moving the story forward, like we were just going to end with Leighton waking up. So it was nice to see that there was actually a payoff in the end. Uh, side note, shouldn't you be panelers? We should be pixelers. That's, That's my thought. I really thought the tail boss was going to be Leighton himself, that he was going to have to face himself, um, or possibly Jennifer Connelly. But uh, the grown-up Liana was was a very interesting, very interesting touch. Seriously, Andre, they put all that food in front of you, and you go for the snot on the half shell. Why, why would you do that? I don't know. For me, it doesn't really change much that... He saw the dragon tree in a calendar as opposed to that it was a vision of the future simply because the science is still what matters. And the science is still saying that the Gulf of Aden and the Horn of Africa is where the warmest place is and it's the best place to to look for the, the warm spot. So it's still their best bet. He is obviously going to have to come clean, though. Um... I like the where the direction that they're going with uh, Wilford, that he may actually work for the betterment of the community of humanity, uh, as opposed to simply for his own power. Anyway, that's what I got. Uh, sorry, this went a little longer than I intended it to. Uh, can't wait to hear what you guys think. No, but um, seriously, you guys are like a panel. Like at a convention, and we're like pixels because there's like thousands of us, or at least two hundred and fifty-six. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank uh, you, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, so much for that voicemail. 
Um, wow. Uh, that was wonderful. Couple of things. Um, I like that he mentioned the costumes. It didn't even dawn on me that besides besides Leighton and Audrey, we we did get to see every. Well, I think Alex was dressed the same way that she's. We almost always see her dressed in that engineer in her engineer outfit, but we we did get to see a lot of the 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 characters well, in different. Well, it was tropical. It, it seemed kind of tropical with all the plants and the way Wilford was dressed, like he was hanging out or getting ready to go maybe on a safari somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what what else? What was it? There was something else he said that I wanted to comment on. Uh, gosh. Oh, it's so good. It was really good, Jeff. Thank you so much again. Uh, yeah. And thank you for your praise. We'll have to consider the panelers or pixelers or I, I don't know. It's still fun. I like to say panelers. So I feel like we're going to that's a bigger discussion that you may have to have with Mark. Yeah, I think that's got to go beyond you and me. It's going to have to be a big debate, I have a feeling. <laughs> we can be heard on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast player of choice that you use. If ratings are available, give us a rating or review on one or all of those platforms. You can check out our website, which is panels2pixelspodcast.com. Right now, that will redirect you to our Facebook page, which is the best place to give us feedback. Yes. To submit your feedback or other theories, you can also do it on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash panels2pixels, all spelled out. We are on Twitter at panels2pixels. That's at panels, the number two, and pixels. You can email us at panels2pixels1 at gmail.com. That's panels2pixels, the number one, at gmail.com. We are on YouTube as Panels 2 Pixels Podcast. Go in there, like, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, and you can see the episode on YouTube. Again, that's Panels 2 Pixels Podcast. We are also on Instagram at Panels 2 Pixels Podcast. All spelled out, real easy. You can check out all the other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network. We highly recommend all of them, which is Wilhelm, The Melting Pat, Podcast Zero, and so much more. You can go to nextlevelradioonline.com and check all of them out there. Next week, we are going to be covering Episode 8, Setting Itself Right. Well, Daphne, what have you got coming up on Run For Your Lives? Believe it or not, Steve... We are on a break. We're on a break! (laughs) (laughs) Paik and I, uh, we just finished season three. Last week we posted our um, look back special for the third season. We'll be back probably like the second week of April. So we're recording new episodes. We're doing fun things. Um, We're both going to be at Fandemic next weekend in Atlanta. So it'll be a lot of fun. And yeah, so that is what I have going on there. I'm also over on Podcastica uh, doing a rewatch of the first few episodes of Yellow Jackets. So you can find me over there. Yes, I'm excited to hear that one because I got my live Steed in this week, hopefully. You did. You did. Hopefully it was we coherent. had some fun. I- <laughs> It was. <laughs> Good. Uh, Laura and I will be wrapping up our coverage of The Witcher Season 2 this week with Episode 8, Family. Well, with that, I'm Steve. And I'm Daphne. And this was Panels to Pixels, and we will see you on the next panel. Good night. Good night. Good night.